When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are joined in the studio today by Emma. Hi, Emma. Hello. Hello, ladies. Hello. It's lovely to have you here. Emma has written and illustrated a fantastic book, which is to help explain and guide children through the loss of a sibling. Do you want to start, Emma, by explaining a bit about why you wrote the book and tell us about the book? Yes, of course. So 10 years ago, our baby daughter, Liddy, died. And when we left hospital to go home to our three-year-old son, George, we weren't really offered any sort of bereavement support back then at all. And certainly no sort of support or idea for how to um, help George. Obviously, coming home, he was very much looking forward to uh, a young baby brother or sister Mm. uh, to play with. And we didn't know really how to tell him what had happened to Liddy. And obviously, having been very obviously pregnant with a big bump, George, you know, naturally wanted to know where Liddy had gone. Um, Of course. And did did George know that Liddy was a girl? After she was born, we didn't know um, until she was born. Mm -hmm. No. And um, he was very excited about having a, a sister. So I think we really found it very difficult to try to talk to him about it. And we looked for a picture book then that would help us talk to him about it and explain it. And there really wasn't anything around. There were a few books that kind of touched on on death very vaguely. But mm. George just kept saying, you know, that, that's not my sister. And, and they, they didn't engage with him. He didn't sort of, you know, they were too vague. And, and so we ended up really without any support at this point saying the wrong thing to George because you know naturally as parents you want to protect your children from things that are going to upset them and we very much wanted to protect George from you know the desperate pain and grief of losing you know our our baby yeah of course and what so when you say that you said the wrong things what sort of things did you say I said that she'd gone to sleep forever because I felt that that was a gentle way of you know yeah. she wasn't going to wake up um, that's probably what lots of people say I think that's it? as an adult you can mm. see that that's a really good way to explain it in as you say a very gentle way but obviously as a child what was he worried that that might happen to him or what was the did yeah. it upset him when you when you said it well he just stopped sleeping <laughs> uh, oh, he was oh, worried oh, then that he was going to die um and he was worried that we were going to die in our sleep. Yeah. So he would wake up a lot in the night. And we also then said, we then said, well, she was very ill and that's why she died. And then he would worry if he was ill or if 
we were ill, that we were going to die. Mm. So we quickly learned that the language that we might use as adults, perhaps, that we interpret differently, wasn't the right language for George. And mm. luckily, I did get, get to call SANS Bereavement Helpline, and I spoke to them, obviously, a lot about us as a, a family and how we were doing, but also about how to help George. Mm. Um, and they talked to me about cognitive development, which is really, really key in how children under seven understand the concept of death so it doesn't come into their understanding really that life functions stop when somebody dies Um, and the way that we can talk about it as adults um, they can get very confused as to how someone could for example be buried but be in heaven at the same time or Mm. you know they think very very logically like that so um very black and white for children isn't yeah. it yeah I think you can because of that we can be a little bit more honest than and open than we probably think we can so by trying to soften the blow we're making it much more confusing and mm. that's right yeah that's right it must have been so painful for you as well because my kids are seven and nine and they obviously when I had a miss miscarriage they had we told them what happened but we hadn't told them that I was pregnant and they had so many questions. And to start with, I found it really devastating to hear the questions So, because they're so direct. But afterwards, I think it actually really helped me to just talk yeah. so openly and so honestly because their questions were, were so direct. I answered them really directly. Yeah, if only everyone was that direct. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, George wanted to know if he could take her a toy if he could go and see her in a rocket, what was she eating? Oh. Who was looking after her? You know, all and those sorts of questions are pretty full on. Um, must as a parent, sort of when you're stop breathing, you in your tracks as well. They come out of the blue, don't they? Yeah, those yeah. sorts of questions. You know, you could be in the middle of the supermarket, and all of a sudden, mm. they ask something completely random. Um, that's right, yeah. and that's their na- that's the nature of their cognitive development at that age. And I think through talking to Sans, that really helped me to understand that I need. You know, I needed to change the way I was talking to George and 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 talk to him in a in a more you know in an age appropriate way about what had happened, but that and have the conversations because actually they said to me, you know, you you will come through the grief a lot better as a family if you talk about it and mm. you answer those questions as hard as they may be. Mm. Um, and that's it was it was incredibly hard. You know, I would feel like literally I the wind was taken out of me every time Mm. he would ask something but he he needed to know um I think just because he was three it didn't make his grief you know any any less valid different Um, different sort of contextually different yeah and I and, and also that he could just drop it and move on to something else you know quite because that's also how they mm. how, how young children operate you know he, he would then just go off and and start playing with something else and and as a, as a parent you've obviously had that conversation which is incredibly hard and then your young child goes off and and plays and you're left in a sort of state of needing to sort of recover from yeah. from mm. that as well but he'd also do lots of lovely you know as they as they still do now you know they they include Liddy in our everyday life and George drew lots of pictures we had a memory box that some friends uh gave to us and there were lots of little pictures in there from George um even little 
little things he'd sort of ripped out of a you know some wrapping paper or something that he thought was pretty that he just oh, kind of wanted listening. to put in there and did, is that something you and your husband encouraged or is that something that he did just by himself he did it by himself yeah absolutely I think he he just naturally went on a on a path obviously I would in, you know sit with him and say oh that's really lovely who's that for and tell me more about your picture and mm. and it would of course then open up another discussion so yeah I think it's very important for them to be able to express how they're feeling and I think for adults and, and parents that are bereaved we can find that really really difficult because mm. obviously we're grieving very much too and you're then trying to manage your your young child's grief and support them as well it's really I find it one thing that sort of trips me up is that you expect your kids to feel almost as you feel and maybe not for you so much Emma because um George is only three but I kind of expect James and Flynn to feel how I feel so when I talk to them about it when they ask me questions and I reply it sort of makes me not upset and not annoyed but somewhere in that category when they suddenly change the subject afterwards Mm -hmm. I'm like oh well you just asked me this and it's actually quite upsetting and now you don't want to talk about it anymore cool thanks for that and that's you know that's crazy to think like that but you can't help it and it makes me really like Flynn my daughter particularly she's seven and she'll go days weeks without talking about anything to do and then as you said Laura you know in Tesco's she said she said to me the other day she said oh mummy I've been thinking and I really miss the baby and I wish that um he or she had come into the world because we love it here and it was just like she she doesn't miss the baby because she didn't know the baby existed before do you know what I mean it's just Mm. a really weird and then she went oh um uh mummy I really want this new whatever off whatever and it's just like happened so fast that as an Mm. adult you because you process things so differently you're left sort of reeling a bit yeah and I and I think that you know they we miss we miss what would have would have come you know the memories that we would have had Mm. with that child and so does the does the sibling you know that they've imagined perhaps at whatever stage how life would have been with another another brother or sister and I think that happens a lot with, with George and Henry still. And obviously Henry has been born after Liddy. And um, he very much talks about Liddy and wants to keep, you know, her in our, in our family and in our thoughts. And we obviously have our, our little um, things that we do at each, you know, obviously on her, her anniversary, which is what the, the book is sort of behind. But also at Christmas, you know, we will pick certain de- you know the boys will pick a decoration to put on the tree for her and we have mm-hmm. one special one that's been there from you know from the start but there's always little things like the pebble on the beach that they picked recently that just means that you know they don't it's an ongoing tapestry if you like um mm-hmm. of of it's sort lovely. of our life you know and um and it can still obviously be inc- you know inc- incredibly painful you know when henry came mm-hmm. up to me with the stone it really took the wind out of me yeah. you know again and and the fact that he'd thought about picking something for her while he was sort of enjoying himself on the beach and and it's the most beautiful stone you know and and, the, and yeah it just it's just lovely to to feel that they want to you know keep talking about her and keep her as as part of us that she's always with us that is lovely amazing as well that henry even the the fact that he was born after liddy died he's so invested in 
her as being part of your family as well because that it must have been so hard to keep that all going and to keep going yourself as a mum yeah um yes definitely and I think my sort of priority was always George initially and trying to help him and negotiating nursery at the time and then as we go on to reception and you know having to having to have the conversations I mean there was always a handover which was really nice the nursery handed over about George and and Liddy when he started at school but then of course you have the George's peers and conversations that would would Mm. happen around them and that you have no control over right absolutely Mm. absolutely and and this has happened with Henry too which is why three years ago that's why I then decided to write um and illustrate a book really because Henry was starting in reception and the same questions were coming up and I really felt that Henry was struggling he wanted to when it, you know when they do their introduce your fat you know tell us about your family and they do the picture that they do in reception or you know draw your family and Henry would draw Liddy uh, in the family and then obviously the conversation would start with with his friends and things and I just felt that it was so hard for him you know and I and I think once the book was published he took it into school to show his favorite teacher which was really um, emotional for me actually I think that he wanted to have that conversation he wanted to show his teacher the book and Mm. involve her in in the way that he was thinking I think it was Although he still gets, you know, he gets very upset. He does get very upset about the fact that she's not here. Yeah, absolutely. And and George too, I think it's, as I say before, it's not something that goes away. And I think mm-hmm. in a lead up to an anniversary, um, obviously you can become more, you know, you're more mindful and, and thinking mm-hmm. about, certainly I play back the events from the yeah. ten, 10 years before. And, mm. and yes, it's hard, but we try and do the best we can, I suppose. And yeah trying to celebrate her you know is something that's really it's so difficult and I I think that you're amazing for having contacted Sands to find out because it's so difficult at the best of times to know how to parent in any situation but to put the feelings of your three-year-old ahead of your own in so many ways ahead of what might trigger your grief I think that's incredible I really do. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Bex. That's, that's really kind of you to say. I just needed to, to help him, I think. You mm. know, that's the parent, your instinct. I just, um, and, I, and of course, I, I was going through my, my own process. And when George was at nursery, you know, I would say that some of the really raw, you know, feelings of grief would, I would allow to come out. Because mm. um, I think, you know, there is a, a point where I didn't want to upset him. I obviously, we all you know cried and together and we all say that it was okay to cry and and okay to feel these feelings and why we were sad but I think as as a bereaved mum you know some of those feelings would be too much for him to see so Mm. and too big yeah yeah actually frightening I think yeah and I think it's again it's about it being age appropriate you know and and the book is a platform really I feel I mean obviously it's a it's a true story and reflection of um, the conversations that we had with George and the questions he asked. And, and then of course, the way that Henry has come in and talked about Liddy as well. So I hope that that means it can be a platform for, for other children that are, that are bereaved to have those conversations. I think it hopefully makes it slightly easier, perhaps is the wrong word, but for grandparents, parents to sort of read the book with 
with the, with the young child to be able to sort of then start a conversation or yeah. to allow the child to, to start the conversation, mm. I think. And what sort of age children is it aimed at specifically? I think three to seven. Obviously, George was okay. three um, and Henry, you know, the conversations have gone on, as I've sort of said, throughout and, and, the, and the journey carries on as they get older. But I would say three to seven. So at, at seven, children naturally start to think, uh, start to, to sort of be aware of death more cognitively mm. as well. That's okay. what I learned. So that is why a lot of children do become quite sad around the age of seven about death and mm. Um, because they start to realise that you know, t- we can't come back when we die. It's amazing, and it's amazingly hard to know how to deal with it because James is nine, and he, I would say, in the last, you're probably right, probably a year, he started, and he, it's not so much him dying, it's me and his mm. dad yeah. dying, and, he'll, and he worries, and he's, he's a really bright boy, and he's very tough you know he's football he's he's not he's not an emotional child but this worry is just I don't know how to alleviate it I don't know how to to help him and I think since since the miscarriage he has been a lot more aware of of life and death because this our our miscarriage losing losing our baby was probably the first real experience and we did we buried him or her in um, a big pot and created a garden and you know we all sort of said a prayer and um and we really tried to make the kids part of it but I didn't know if that was the right thing to do because I don't think you ever do know you just sort of hope don't you that you're doing the right thing absolutely and I think that's beautiful that you did that and I I think it's really hard as a parent for you to 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 do that and and certainly that's what we were encouraged to do when I spoke to Sands was that as I say to to have those conversations and to answer the questions if you can and to just open up a discussion and that ultimately is is so much so much better than not talking about it Mm. um but it's it's so hard. It is so yeah. hard, and it's painful. And you and as I say, you there's that element as a parent that you want to protect your children. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like it's the the age old thing that we've come across so many times of people not wanting to say anything to someone who has suffered a miscarriage because they don't want to upset them even more. Yeah. I think a lot of it is trying to protect your children, who are the people that you love most in the world, because you don't want to cause them more pain, when actually these barriers we just need to smash them all and make things make things super conversational and now my kids know everything about this podcast we talk about everything so openly you know they know Laura what's happened to Laura because I want them to grow fundamentally I want them to grow up in a world where nothing about their bodies or about what works and what doesn't work or what anything of that should should feel anything approaching shame or embarrassment or anything like that and I just I really, really hope, and I think the, the real massive thing here is that we look to our mums for support in so many things. Mm-hmm. But because we're here, like our mums have not miscarried us, therefore the support that you can get from your mum with regards to infertility and miscarriage is always going to be limited yeah. because they might have had miscarriages, but they haven't, you know, there's certain things that they won't know your pain on I think that's a massive reason why there's so where there is a lack of 
support and they're from a different generation that just didn't talk yeah Abs- absolutely and I'm one of the my my grandmother had a little boy first who um, died of cot death and she carried his little booty in her handbag um, oh. forever um, after she never went out without it and but it wasn't talked about um, did you and know I, about this before you lost Liddy? I did yeah okay. we, we I would go in and she died when I was 20 but I I did manage to have some conversations with her that just now seem incredibly poignant really mm. um, she she had a miscarriage and she she lost her first child and the way that she felt she had to to cope with that and but you know that connection obviously was always there you know and and that's actually the reason that my um I've taken her name for my writing name um is is her married name because I it's important to me to Mm. you know not that she's seen obviously what has happened for me but that you know I'm honoring her in in some way and her her son too but it is all about talking about it more and more and I think we hesitate obviously with with young children because we don't we don't want to we don't want them to have to go through it you know I think as you were saying you know first experience for a lot of children would be a death of a pet or um, a grandparent it wouldn't Mm. you know necessarily be the death of a, a baby brother or sister and and so if we're, you know, if we're not prepared, if we're not able to support them in society, I, I just feel as it did for George, you know, we end up then potentially, you know, if we are not able to get support or, you know, it's, it's not being able to move through the grief together, I, I feel. Mm. And, and so that's what I just felt so passionately in the end about, about changing that and, and mm. being able to offer that to people if they, if yeah. it was right for them, obviously everybody's story is different and everybody's journey is different how long did it take to write the book was it something that was sort of a labor of love over a few years or it did it did take me a while um it took me sort of three well I'd say two years and then I spent a year sort of thinking and 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 I went to see Sands um as I mentioned earlier and and showed them the book and to see what they felt and wanting to give back to them obviously because they'd helped me so much so you know their endorsement on the book is is amazing and and they offer um an amazing service for for parents and something that was really our lifeline so but it did take me yes a while I, I felt that obviously I was looking after and parenting the boys as well so it was something that I needed to sort of fit into sort of life in general but it was a real journey for me and some mm. sort of a lot of that was special time that I also yeah. kind of had with Liddy if you like yeah. and the drawings that I did and you know it was, it was very cathartic too but also very emotional definitely yeah, bring I'm back sure. up all the all the feelings um, and, and all what's, the what's the response been to the book what's it been like it's it's been really well received and I um it's about raising awareness of it I think really and and I'm sort of trying to do that mainly through Instagram. Um, okay. But I have my website, obviously, that um, there's a taster of the book on there and there's lots of reviews from charity, bereavement charities that now recommend the book. Um, and and what's your website, Emma? Um, it's my name. So it's just www.emmapoor.com. 
www.ecoshop.co.uk. And Paul has got an E on the he, end. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and what's the title? Where Are You Lizzie? Is the title Aww. of the book, yeah. Because, yeah, that's the main question. That was the first question. Where, where had she gone? Sorry, that's, I mean, that in itself is just such a bloody massive question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you begin with answering that? Where do you, how do you begin with answering that? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. And, and, and I think the, the idea is that, he, that, that George asked me, he asked his dad, he asked my mum, and we all said diff, you know, different things. And mm. it's about him then reaching his own decision about, about where she was or having those conversations then and talking about how can someone be in three different places at once and and where do I think Liddy might be and yeah it's as I say it's not an answer it doesn't there is no answer Mm. I think everybody's there's a different different. answer depending on you know your religion your beliefs everything so it's a really difficult thing to talk about anyway as a woman as an adult but to, to sort of be able to repackage it to speak to a child yeah and I, and so I, the reason the book has been received well is that there is no answer in that sense it is a conversation that can then happen and a platform to talk about those feelings more because ultimately it is just just the conversations that were had with with me and George and and Henry and George so I've li- I've literally just put into a book the experience right and drawn some bloody lovely pictures to go along with it yeah <laughs> thanks Laura. so what were you going <laughs> to say about you. the hot air balloon picture oh well that was the reason that well that was the first picture i drew f- for the book which was george asking um when he was six if we could uh send lydia a piece of birthday cake with on a balloon um it was such a um a powerful image to me mm, um yeah uh, yeah, that's where I started really, and then I I sort of just pieced together the 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 story as as it as it is, and it's hopefully something that will just he- just help I think to 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 open up the conversation. I yeah. think it's it's just so hard. Yeah, it's there's no there's no fix to it. And what would your advice be to? I know that because we got asked on Facebook about this totally about this subject. It was. Um, that they wanted a podcast to cover how to talk to children and how to tell children. So what would your, if you could give one main piece of advice to, to parents who have suffered a miscarriage with live with children already, what would you say? Well, obviously uh, by the book. By the book, obviously. I think everyone's different, obviously. And I, I would be led, I'd be led by the child to mm. see how definitely that's how, how I, how I was with George so I would be led by what they want to because sometimes they you know they might not revisit the conversation and and sometimes they they, they might want to talk about it all the time I think it's definitely mm. personal situation but I, I definitely am an, you know a believer in in answering the questions and talking about it and just being I think the cognitive development side of things really helped me to understand um, the fact that George couldn't understand in his thinking about the concept of death and that then helped me hugely because I was Mm. answering the same questions and not really getting anywhere and um and that was why you know to have an answer that was sort of basically down to a development in the brain was 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 very helpful to to know really yeah I can imagine 
so open honest conversations yeah absolutely well gosh thank you so much emma for coming into the studio and chatting to us it's really lovely to chat to you i've recommended your book to a few people in the past actually Um, laura thank you sadly have gone through similar experiences to you and can you get it on amazon you can get it on Amazon oh, as well. Um, I'm able to give more to charity through my website just because Amazon take quite a hefty chunk of commission. So I But, um, <laughs> but uh, you so can buy it on your, either. <laughs> what charity does, does your donations go to? Sands. Sands. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And obviously your recommendation would be to get in touch with them as well if you're struggling yeah absolutely they also have a bereavement handbook now which was not around when um when Liddy died and that's got some really I mean it's very helpful lots and lots of points and and advice about how to um how to manage after you've lost a baby yeah Mm, that's really good because it is just about in the early days it's, it's just about managing and I think if you put too much pressure on yourself to straight away be better or be okay okay or be functional or whatever you know you're building yourself up for a fall a bit i think managing is a really really good word i don't think it's even coping it's definitely it's definitely managing Mm. and taking every day not even and some sometimes every hour Mm. you know just to get through the day yeah i'm sure the book's going to help a lot probably already has helped lots of people but um if we can help spread the message as well that's fantastic Yeah, and obviously, if you want to ask Emma any questions directly, get in touch on Instagram. Of course, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me um, and and allowing me to talk about the book. It's it's an absolute pleasure to to meet you both. (laughs) Albeit virtually. Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) One day we'll have a studio, Laura. One day. Absolutely. Okay, well, thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode and we shall see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.